Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I am so excited about this topic and today's guest because guilt-free decluttering. It's something we all wrestle with, and a listener specifically requested this episode saying, I just need constant reminders. So I think who better than today's guest, Tracy McCubbin, a television director turned decluttering expert and the author of Make Space for Happiness, How to Stop Attracting Clutter and Start Magnetizing the Life You Want, as well as Making Space Clutter-Free. Welcome, Tracy. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited, and I feel like we could go down a super deep rabbit hole about your career pivot, because I'm also a career pivoter, but I'm going to stay focused on We'll come back and do that for another episode. Another episode, yes. I have a lot to say about career pivoting. Oh, great. Me too. (laughs) Me too. And I love that I got a question about guilt-free decluttering specifically because there's so much baggage. And then the more I started to dig into you and your work, I was like, oh my gosh, this woman is all about the emotional and its connection to everything. So here we are. So I would just like to dive in because... On your website, I read something that made me, it just made my ears perk up a little bit. And you have, quote, an ability to see through any mess and clearly envision a clutter-free space. And I realize this is your superpower, but I am (laughs) curious, (laughs) and it really is a gift. I have other friends who are gifted in home decor things, like being able to pick paint without, you know, much thought at all. They just know exactly what to do. So I realize this is your superpower, but Is there a simple tip you might recommend to help listeners get past that moment when they're standing in front of the giant mess of clutter and they feel overwhelmed and might wish to instead flee the room (laughs) instead of stay in the game and get to work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I love this question. So the first thing that, and I think this might even go back to the listener's um, letter about guilt-free decluttering. The first thing that people need to understand, um, and I think that we're sort of told something different from social media and our whole conversation about decluttering, but decluttering and organizing is a constant process. Mm -hmm. It's like exercise. It's like eating right. It's like cleaning the house. It's not something that you do once and then it's done. And I really think that the last 10 years in sort of the, I don't know, the popularity of this this activity has sort of made people think, oh, I just do it once and it's done. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. So once people sort of understand that even if I'm working very hard to be clutter-free and organized, stuff is going to still come into my house. It just happens. People are going to give me gifts. My kids are going to go to a birthday party. Like stuff is going to keep coming in. Mm -hmm. So when you understand that it's ongoing and that that doesn't make you a lazy person or a bad housekeeper, then everybody sort of just lets go a little bit of the shame because there's mm-hmm. so much shame around this. So that's the first thing. 
the other thing that I would say is start small. Start small. There's a very popular, not so popular anymore, but very popular person in this space who started a while ago and was like, you need to take six months off of work and you need to do your whole house from top to bottom and you need to and you need to and you need to. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like I do it with my clients because I have the luxury of a staff of 10 and we, you know, people pay us and we come in and we do the job top to bottom. Most people don't have that luxury, right? And most people don't understand what it takes and also what their stamina is, physical mm-hmm. and emotional. So start small. Just start small. Pick a category. Coffee mugs. Mm-hmm. Pick a drawer. Pick one shelf in a closet. Because what will happen, and especially if this is not innate to you, is that you'll do one little space and you'll be like, that wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. Wow. And actually, I can now find all my sheets. So I like the feeling of this. I'm going to keep going. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, start small. And also, this is a big one. Start with the stuff that's easy for you. Don't start with the letters from your dead mother. Don't start with photographs. Like people dive into the super, super emotionally charged stuff and then it all just goes off the rails and then nothing happens. Oh, yes. Yes. So you're okay if you're like, I'm going to go through pens in the pen cup on my desk today. You know what? That's a win. Mm -hmm. That's a really big win. So I think if it's hard, Please start small, start with something that doesn't activate you and then build from there. Yeah. Yeah. You're speaking the edit your life language and mantra. And just the other day, you know, these spaces that we have around us, I have this cabinet, it's full, it was jammed full of serving dishes and bowls and napkins and then party hats and all sorts of crap. And I took literally five minutes to pull out all the loose stuff that was rolling around, like the party hats and the things that didn't belong in there. And solved that problem made, and made it nice again. And it was so satisfying. <laughs> it's so satisfying. And I think it's also this idea, you know, we're so, uh, I don't, I hate to blame social media for this because there's so many things I do love about social media, but I kind of have to blame social media for this. You know, there's this feeling for people like, well, if my whole house isn't perfect, then I'm not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, that's not how life works. Like, I feel like my, my life, you know, in my own home is just a, it's just a circle, right? Like I'm going to focus on the kitchen today. Oh, the entryway got a little out of hand. Oh, my desk needs a little help, right? Like I'm sort of always going in this circle and that's okay. So don't feel like if I can't do it all, I'm not going to do anything, right? What do they say? Perfection is the enemy of the good. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I I think that that's, and and also I want to address this idea of perfection when it comes to decluttering and organizing, this is a core belief for me. Um, I have been doing this for 17 years. I have been in, I don't know, 3,000 houses, some crazy amount. Um, I, your house does not have to be perfect. Your house is a tool. Your house is a tool to support you, you and your family, you and your partner, you by yourself, It's a thing that rests you, that replenishes you, that makes you feel happy. That's what your house is. Your house is not a museum. It's not Mm -hmm. a museum to the people that you've lost. It's not a museum to, you know, what you think it should look like. It's not a museum to Pinterest. So when people understand, do I want your house full of beautiful things for you? Absolutely. It gives you joy. If looking at art gives you joy, 
Of course. But a home is a tool and that means it evolves. It's a workspace. You make dinner, the kitchen gets dirty again. You clean it up. Like, and that's the thing about having less clutter, which is super important to understand. The less stuff you have, the easier it is to get your house organized. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the whole cycle isn't about, oh, I want your house to be perfect and I want your bookshelf to be rainbow colored and I want every bin to match. I want your house to work. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I love that. That's a di- Using it as a tool, that's a different framing than I've heard. So I really appreciate that. Now, you referenced one's dead mother's letters, photographs, a museum to the past, which is the perfect setup for my next question. A key anchor in your work is emotional clutter blocks. I love that. And you have a number of them. And I loved your framing around the first one, which is my stuff keeps me in the past. Can you talk about why this clutter is an issue worth working on? Oh, yeah, this is... Um, so just a little background for the listeners to understand. I've had my decluttering business at 17 years, which still just, I'm like, what? Oh my gosh. Aren't I still in high school? How did that happen? (laughs) Um, I'm also the child of a hoarder. Mm -hmm. So my, one of my parents is an extreme hoarder. We are still dealing with it on a very daily, real basis. Extreme, extreme, extreme. Um, So I have had, my whole life, I have watched someone wrestle with their relationship with their stuff. So I think that, and just maybe the way my DNA came together, I I had a really early understanding of the emotional component. Like when I started doing this work, you know, I didn't even know I was doing it. I just started to help people. Mm -hmm. And then I just kept seeing like these stories. Like these narratives that people had made up around their stuff about why they couldn't let go of what they didn't want, need, or use. And the more I did the work and the more I started to listen, I was like, oh, we're telling the same seven stories, all of us. They may have a slight variation, but they are the same seven stories. And I realized that these stories were blocks to letting go. And that's how Mm -hmm. I came up with this idea of clutter blocks. So clutter block number one, my stuff keeps me stuck in the past I would go into homes. I still go into it. And it is everything from, you know, clothes that don't fit you anymore because life happens. And guess what? There's gravity. And, you know, or (laughs) I mean, I I thought this, I I had a sort of little mini meltdown at my gynecologist the other day. And I was like, I've in menopause. I put on so much weight. And she Uh was like, I want you to look at your chart like over the last eight years. It's literally three pounds. Like it's just everything's moved. Yeah. And uh-huh. so sort of understanding. So keeping clothes that you don't and won't ever fit into again. There's a reminder that, you know, who you used to be, um, you know, so I go into homes where kids who are now grown and have their own homes, their bedrooms are exactly the day they left for college. Mm. You know, when you have all this stuff from your past, and I'm not saying get rid of everything, that's not what I'm saying. But if you have an overabundance of it, what it tells you is that your best days were behind you. Mm, it has mm-hmm. you looking backwards and not looking forwards. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. Again, sort of, yeah, it's just a different way of framing things. And so I really appreciate that. And also for you sharing about your personal history with it, because I think I imagine that gives you a level of emotional awareness and compassion in your work that is unusual. So thank you for that. 
Yeah, it was I think it was sort of and the hilarious thing is it took me a long time to realize that that was why I was good at what I did. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a client who was a psychiatrist and I was helping him with his paperwork and love. He's lovely. And we're, you know, as psychiatrists do, he was asking me a billion questions and I was just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And sort of dropped in the middle, like oh, my dad's a hoarder. And he was like, wait, what? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Does that have anything to do with anything? He's like, everything makes sense now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, everything makes sense. And and to go back, and you said this at the top too, you know, people have so much shame around this. You know, I'm a bad housekeeper. I'm lazy. And I tell people, especially people who grew up with parents who have hoarding disorder or even grew up with parents who were immigrants or parents whose live through the depression or their parents live through the depression. Mm-hmm. There are so many, so many cultural and socioeconomic um, things that form our relationship with our stuff. And you weren't born knowing how to drive a car. You had to learn how to drive a car. If you're not inclined to process information in a way that is organized, you know, if you're not neurodivergent or you see things differently, it's a skill that can be learned and why beat yourself up? You didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, you didn't, you didn't walk out of the womb playing the flute. Mm -hmm. You had to learn how. So why don't, why is it bad that you have to learn how to be organized? We put such value on, you know, and I I mean, I could go all the way back on this and the patriarchy and, you know, but if you look at being decluttered and organized as, oh, that's the right way. And therefore I'm doing it the wrong way. It's like, no, no, no being decluttered and organized helps your life go smoother. Mm-hmm. That's why we do it. Amazing. Amazing. All right, friends. Well, we have a lot more to chat about in this decluttering slash therapy session. <laughs> and we'll be back <laughs> after a quick break. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I take Hyacera every morning with my first glass of water, and like all of the Ritual products I have tried, the capsule actually smells good. Ritual's products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Oftentimes, when asked to think about what one would do with a bonus hour, people reference things like exercise, play, and rest. These are all super important things, and I would recommend adding getting the support you need and deserve to your list. As a mom, independent business owner, and human blessed with many relationships, I spend a lot of time giving. So one of the greatest gifts of therapy for me has been the ability to know that someone is holding space for and listening to me. No filter required. I adjust my session frequency as needed, and it is a huge comfort knowing support is there for me. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. 
This online therapy platform was designed to remove the traditional barriers to therapy and make mental health care more accessible to everyone. Simply fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash edit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash edit. Okay, friends, we are here with Tracy McCubbin talking all things guilt-free decluttering. And this might seem a little unusual to bring us back in with this topic, but Tracy, I feel like there is a real clear alignment about our work in terms of the fact that editing one's life involves lots of tactics, yes, but also involves dealing with feelings, baggage, all the things we talked about before the break. And I might venture to guess that you are the only decluttering book out there that includes an adverse childhood experiences assessment (laughs) in its appendix. And this caught my eye because I have a real deep connection to this work. I have actually worked with the American Academy of Pediatrics and CDC over the last five years to raise awareness about ACEs. So when I saw that, I was like, what? So I would love for you to share with listeners why you chose to include this in your book. You know, we are the sum of our parts. And I think when we look at our lives and when we look at how we want to make changes in our behavior, our habits to be more, you know, I say successful in the sense of not necessarily monetary, but life runs smoother and we're happier and we can control things. We have to add everything up. So if Mm. you faced a lot of childhood trauma, that's going to show up in, um, how you relate to your stuff and how you relate to your home. I'm the product of divorce. I, my parents were, I think I was seven. So I spent my entire childhood every other weekend going to a different house. When I go to pack now as a 58 year old woman, it is trauma. Mm. Like I need to put it on the bed. I need my husband out of the room. I need, you know, I, and it took a while to realize like, oh, right, because I was doing this every weekend and I was so afraid that something that I wanted, my life was out of control as a small Mm -hmm, child. mm -hmm. So packing to go to my dad's house, well, what if I wanted that sweatshirt and what this book I'm reading? And so it shows up in how I pack on trips now. I'm working on it and I'm realizing if you go to New York and you forget something, you can buy aspirin in New York, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think if you look at, sort of the trauma that you came from and how it shows up in your life, it will help you understand sort of how you relate to your space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was just so interesting. And you're right. It When I first learned about ACEs five years ago, I just sat there thinking, well, this explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It explains so much. Explains so much. I mean, you, you know, you just take the example of like people never, that's actually not true. A lot of people do. And But, you know, I'll work with a lot of people who are children of immigrants. And, you know, there is this, I mean, Ali Wong does an old, she did, she had a bit about it years ago, you know, about her mom coming from Vietnam and like saving all the yogurt containers. And I paraphrase Ali Wong and I apologize, but she said, you know, her mom was like, you know, you just never know when you need a yogurt cup to dig out of communist Vietnam. And she's like, (laughs) "Ah, actually, you're right. You know, you're right about that. So if, you know, if that is a part of your life history, that's going to show up in how you relate to stuff, right? If somebody, Mm -hmm. if somebody, I work, I live in Los Angeles, so I work with a 
fair amount over the years of people who are of Japanese American descent and whose parents or grandparents were put in internment camps and everything was taken from them. Everything. They left one day and came back and, you know, that shows up. That shows up because, you know, I work with a lot of people whose family members survived or did not survive the Holocaust. That shows up in how they relate to photographs. Like you Mm. can't, you can't discount all that. And I think that when you're presented sort of with decluttering and organizing on social media, it's like, oh no, you just put it in a rainbow order and everything's fine. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, not really. Um, So I, I really want people to look at their life and their experiences, understand how that shows up. And a lot of times it shows up in the same way that like our relationship to food shows up, you know, our relationship to alcohol, like it's all the same soup. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you for integrating it in such a, an authentic and really necessary way. I really appreciate that. I want to get to some tactics and (laughs) when it comes to getting over the guilt about decluttering one's closet, which is something I hear about all the time and experience myself, I suspect it relates a lot to your emotional block about the stuff I keep paying for. And I was especially interested to read about compound mistakes. And I'm wondering if you can explain that and share a top tip for getting past the guilt in one's closet. Yeah. Isn't that great? Right. This idea that first of all, you like, if you go, if you unpack that, you know, there's a level of like, you bought something that maybe you were in a bad mood or had a hard day at work or didn't really, weren't really able to afford it at the time. So you Mm -hmm. bought something in that point and then it's been in your closet and you haven't worn it. So now you feel guilty about not wearing it. And then you put on weight or you lose weight or something happens and now you can't fit into anymore. So there's sort of all these events have compounded to make this piece of clothing make you feel terrible about yourself. So, you know, I think, I think we all just have to remember that we're people and we make mistakes and you did a thing. Maybe Mm -hmm. you bought something you couldn't afford. Maybe you bought something you didn't like that doesn't make you a bad person, right? It goes back to what Brene Brown always says, like, you did a bad thing. It doesn't make, you know, guilt is I did a bad thing. Shame is I'm a bad person, right? You just bought something that didn't work. It's not, it it is no reflection on your character and who you are. And I think Mm -hmm. when people step into their closets, I should be skinnier. I shouldn't have bought that. I want to be this other kind of person. It took me a very long time to realize I like a uniform for work. I literally wear the same pair of jeans. I have three pairs of them. They're the same size, the same cut. I wear them every day when I work with clients and I have a shirt that I love that fits perfect, doesn't gap at the boobs. You know, I can clean it easily. I have six of them. That's what I wear to work every day. Mm-hmm. Because when I get up in the morning, I don't want to think about it. I want to go to a client's. I want to look neat and pressed, but I know it needs to get, you know. And when I realized that, oh, that works for me, and I stopped buying a whole bunch of other stuff, it's like my mornings got so much easier. So I think we step into our closet and it's like we're, I don't know, it's like where hope goes to die or something. <laughs> like, you know? I love that. And so here's the thing. Walk in. If you're about to tackle your closet, to, you know, speaking of tactics, like, I was a person. I did a thing. I bought stuff I shouldn't have bought. There you go. All right. Can you put it up on, you know, Poshmark and resell it? 
Can you donate it and get a tax receipt? Can you give it to your daughter or niece and give it to someone who will use it? It's just this this sort of beating ourselves up, like I don't fit into it and I shouldn't have spent the money. What really happens is that people stop going in the closet and they start getting dressed out of their laundry basket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what really happens. (laughs) Like, I'm just not even going to go in there. So your closet should be filled with things that you love and that you wear. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. I've talked about this on the show before, but I actually started clothing rental with Rent the Runway in October. I haven't bought a single piece of clothing since October, and it just makes my life so much easier. So I'm I'm all into it. Uh, Rent the Runway is fantastic. Yeah, and I'm mostly wearing normal people clothes. I've rented a few fancy things for events, but otherwise it's all blouses and sweaters, and I I just love it. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's just it's so. Yeah, I, I I am. And also, if you need a little help, I started a couple of years ago, twice a year, I work with a woman who's a costumer, you know, stylist. And twice a year, she comes in and she spruces up my closet and brings in a few pieces and is, and knows me. And, you know, the thing is, when I first started doing it, I was like, oh, this feels like such an extravagance. But then what I did was I actually tracked what I spent mm-hmm. versus working with her and not working with her. And I spent less, including her rate, because yeah. everything I bought fit and I loved it. Yeah. I, and I wasn't buying in a panic and I wasn't buying late yeah. at night. So, you know, in strategies, right, to help yourself, like get some support, yeah. get some help, get some help. Get a, I mean, you can get a personal shopper at Nordstrom for free. They're yeah. in there. Like, here's my budget. This is what I need. Like, you know, if you need some help with it, get the help. This idea, I'm sorry, this idea that we're supposed to be able to do it all. I don't know who made that up, but can we go backwards? A terrible person. (laughs) A terrible, terrible, (laughs) you know, I I have a very dear girlfriend who says, you know how you get, you know how you're superwoman, you get it all done? You delegate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, well, speaking of people who need a lot of help, (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of parents in my audience. And so I would be very remiss if I didn't ask you about a key guilt-free decluttering tactic for kids stuff. Hit me up. <laughs> yeah, kids, kids. It's, um, you know, I think that the sooner and when they're, you know, the sooner that you can have the conversation calmly and like you don't play with this anymore or do you, you know, do you play like involving them in the decluttering process um, you know, kids evolve, kids develop very fast. They grow out of things. And so, and they really do have a capacity to understand of like, oh, I'm not playing with this toy. It's still good. Another kid can play with it. I don't think it's too soon to have that conversation. I don't think it's too soon to be one toy in, one toy out, right? Something mm-hmm. new comes in, something old goes out. But I also think if you're going to talk about decluttering and organizing with kids, you have to look at your acquisition cycle. Mm -hmm. How much are you buying your kids? How much do your kids have? You know, those little brains, they can't deal with, I mean, we've all seen it, right? They get a whole bunch of new toys at their birthday and then you turn around and they're playing with the boxes. Yeah. Right. That this, that more isn't better. And it actually studies have shown that it stunts their development, right? That, the more that they have to play with and the more the toys are, um, I don't know exactly what the word is, but like ex- thought out that there's no room for their own imagination. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if, 
if you feel like you're drowning with your kids, it's about having that conversation. It's about staying on top of it, but it's also looking at what's coming in. And I will use this as a soapbox because if you get invited to a birthday party, a kid birthday party, and it says no gifts on it, that parent means no gifts. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Celebrate it. One less errand for you as well. Everybody wins. (laughs) Exactly. And I also give parents out there permission. You do not have to do gift bags at birthday parties. You don't have to. Yeah. (laughs) It's okay. No one needs a smelly little cotton candy smelling eraser. No one needs it. It's okay. Can I tell you a secret about what I've cared about on this show? So my 12-year-old recently, her birthday was a month ago, and we we haven't, I think we got out of practice assembling friends for birthdays during the pandemic, we just, because it didn't happen. And so I thought, oh, you know, they're still of the age where it might be nice to have a few friends together. So she invited, I forget how many, maybe five or six friends. And it was just, we decided to do cookie decorating. Uh, and so I was like, oh, this will be great. Though They can take home treats. It'll be awesome. And so- I got to declutter my Tupperware, like my, you know, recyclable (laughs) takeout containers um, to use to help send kids home with their cookies. And there were no gift bags and it was amazing. And I was living. (laughs) Oh, that is genius. (laughs) Uh, My all time favorite parenting story, a very dear friend of mine whose mother has passed who we revered this woman. She was a Texas woman who, you know, big hair, closer to God. She was fantastic. And we were having a conversation one time and my girlfriend said to her, wait, am I remembering this right? did you have my Girl Scout troop polish your silver? Love it. (laughs) And her mother said, first of all, it is an excellent skill to have. And second of all, I was having a party that weekend. So yes, I did. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. So I love this idea of things that do double duty, right? Oh, fantastic. Your kids will come over. We'll have a cookie party and they'll take my Tupperware home. Great. It's so great. It's so great. Okay, Tracy, I have a few more questions for you. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. 
There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hello, friends. I hope you are loving this conversation with the wonderful decluttering expert, Tracy McCubbin. As much as I am, I'm learning so much. I'm laughing. I'm feeling emotionally charged. So thank you, Tracy, for that. You are welcome. (laughs) Okay. I have a kind of selfish question, admittedly. Mm. I am a person who was raised to believe in the power of a paper trail. I'm sort of kidding, but I'm sort of not. Mm -hmm. And also paper is overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. I was curious what the current rule of thumb is about paper decluttering. I'm thinking especially like financial stuff and how long you need to hold it. And if you don't have a shredder, is there a way to safely get rid of that clutter? So this is a great question. So I'm a bit of a, so clutter block number three is avoiding my stuff. <laughs> um, and part of, part of included in that is dealing with your paperwork. This is my, this is my clutter block. I love paper. I am like you. I have a, you know, I still get some of my credit cards mailed on paper, not uh-huh. digitally. Um, and I go through them at the end of the year. And, you know, so the thing about paper is that it is, um, it is the biggest cause of paper clutter is over retention. Yes. So you're just holding on to too much. So the nice thing is you can do some dil- due diligence and find out. So call your tax preparator. How long do I need to keep things? Conventional wisdom always said tax, tax records, meaning the backup for your taxes, seven years. Mm-hmm. Now the IRS is saying something really vague, like three to five, unless you committed fraud. I tell people just hang on to seven. We know the number. We've done it forever. After seven years, you don't need the supporting material anymore. So you can let go of that. You know, do you get your, can you access your financial statements digitally? And are you comfortable with that? Uh You know, that's a thing. If you're not and you want to hold on to the paper, you need a filing system. You just need a filing system. And sometimes there's paper that you need. I have tried with a few people. They've wanted to go 100% paper-free. It's not possible. It's just not possible. So, but understanding what do I, you know, and getting the information. Does this, the plumber comes over for $125 to unclog a sink. Do I, can I write that off? Like, find out the information. Do I need this? If not, can I let it go? Mm -hmm. You know, how far back? And it really is knowledge is power in that. Like, oh, okay. And can you, you know, are there things that are like, I've started more and more, you know, I have a a folder on my computer that like 2023, anything that I think might have to do with taxes gets put in there and I have a hard file, right? So it's about the paper trail is important and it's about where do you store it and how can you find it easily? Mm, And mm. most of the time we over retain. Yeah, that's super advice. I'm going to I'm going to take your advice this weekend and take a small baby step. (laughs) Take a small baby step in papers. You know, also, I think, again, to go back to looking how you were raised, you know, it, I joke, the olden days, you know, pre-computers. It's like, if you lost your pink slip, you were in your car. It was a nightmare. Yeah. It was a nightmare. So sometimes a lot of the stuff that we hold on to, but I've seen a funny flip and this has happened with um, people who work for me who are under 30, 
because they don't get hard paychecks, they don't look at their pay stubs. So two of my employees like didn't notice something for the whole year of 2021. And I'm like, do you not look at your pay stubs? Like, did you not realize taxes weren't being taken out? Like, I don't look at your pay stubs. Yeah. So I think there (sighs) is this. I know. Mm -hmm. But I I worry that in this all paper digital world that we're not doing our homework. For sure. For sure. Um, And um, and then shredder. Yes. Yes. Shredder. I, I think. I think everybody needs a shredder. You can get a small one. They're 69 bucks. They're really important. If not, just give your kid a pair of scissors and say, hey, make confetti or you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I also live in Los Angeles where we can't burn things. If you live in a place where you're allowed to burn things, burn them in the fireplace. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Uh, My last regular, regular question, as it were, is I'm also sort of giggling a little bit over here, which is why my speech might sound a little funny, is about donation versus selling. And the reason I'm giggling is because I created an unexpected uproar on Instagram, a small one, but about Legos. And and uh the setup is that I had some very large Lego sets. My kid is done, is out of the Lego phase. And I wanted them to get a new home, but they were big sets. And so I thought that I should sell them because I could get some money for them. But because I am who I am, I also wanted to take them apart completely, organize the parts by color and cross check that they (laughs) were all actually in the catalog Uh to do my due diligence before selling them. So you basically spent the exact same amount of time your kid did building it, unbuilding it. Oh, my gosh. And so much more time. It was ridiculous. I did this Mm -hmm. for two sets, like a Harry Potter something and then another Harry Potter something. And it was so time consuming. It was sort of satisfying, but also I was like, wow, I just lost an entire day of my life. So I would love to hear. I'm your sorry, pers- I'm, gi- I'm giggling over here because I people my long, long time joke. Parents are like, how do I organize Legos? And I'm like a wood chipper, just yeah. a wood chipper. <laughs> um, and I will say I did learn a lesson. And this Christmas, actually, one of my younger uh, my younger nephew loves Legos. And so I said to my sister, I said, and we're we're a fam. We're one of those families of in- immigrants that you were talking about. Uh-huh. Seven kids scarcity. And yes. so she gets me. And I said, listen, I would love to give you two full sets. They won't be organized. I'm just going to break them down to him for Christmas. And that's his gift. Are you good with that? They will be repurposed, but Hey, and she was like, yes. So anyway, first I would- of all, I just want to highlight though. I am a big fan of the regifting. I am the big fan of handing down. I am a big fan of what you just did. Just be honest about it. Yeah. Just be honest about it. She was like, thrilled and he was thrilled. thrilled. And it was I'm more, sh- it was a more generous gift than I could gift brand new. I wouldn't normally buy him $300 worth of Legos. And that's what he got to play and with. I also <laughs> have to, yeah. And I also have to imagine on some level for this kid, it's like my cousin played with this. Like yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a history and a provenance that comes with it. So yes. wait, what was the uproar on? Were people mad at you for selling things? What people was the uproar? The uproar was that people were like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you? Why are you taking all this time? And then other people, it was split down the middle as it always is on the internet, but people were either like, you are a mad woman. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? And then others being like, I feel seen. This is me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I gotcha. I am curious about your perspective on selling versus donation in the spirit of decluttering, because obviously you you might have real financial needs and yeah. the fina- or a little financial boost could be nice. Yeah. But as I've just described, the selling process the it's work. It's work. Yes. So this is one of my absolute favorite 
conversations. I, I have many, 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 many thoughts on this. And I want to, um, I want to say also that this conversation is the, stops a lot of people from actually starting decluttering. Yeah. Cause they're like, I don't know what to do with this stuff after I get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's what I want to say. Um, if the thing about selling is that you have to understand as our dear host just pointed out from her own personal experience, it takes a lot of time. Your time has a value, right? If you work outside the home, you know how much you make an hour. If you work inside the home, you're not paid enough. So if you're a parent, Mm -hmm. you are not paid enough. So your time has a value. So when you go to sell things, prepping them for sale, cleaning them, photographing them, take them to the post office to mail, that takes time. So that time goes against your profit, right? Oh, I got a hundred bucks. I got 50 bucks for this. Well, you also spent four hours. And if your rate is, you know, $25 an hour, you actually lost money. So Mm -hmm. that's something that people have to take into consideration. Also, you have to take into consideration that most things that are used have very little value to other people. Mm -hmm. They are worth what someone will give you cash today. So if it, you know, look, if you want to make a couple hundred bucks and you want to have a garage sale and say hi to your neighbors, knock yourself out. But understand that it's going to be pennies on the dollar and it's going to take a lot of time. So once you understand that, right, you know, and I'm seeing like the, and the other side of that coin too, is I'm seeing so many young people, you know, put up Poshmark stores and selling used clothes, which I love for the sustainability factor of it. They're learning how to run a small business. Like I love that. So, but I just want everybody to understand that selling things takes a lot of time and you're not going to get a lot of money for it. Yeah. So then you weigh out, is it actually better to donate this? Is there someone that's somewhere that's going to want this tax receipt? Maybe that'll help talk to your tax preparator. Also, I love buy nothing groups. I absolutely love them. We had 15 brand new, uh, three inch, three ring binders, right? The white and black ones. I don't, I don't know. I think they go for like 12 or $17 each. We had them, a client got rid of them. My assistant threw them up on a buy nothing group. They all went like a student took a couple, a professor took a couple, like the idea of the buy nothing group is fantastic. So if I just see people sometimes getting so bogged down and and actually paralyzed because like, I should sell this for money and it costs me a lot of money and it doesn't matter what it costs you. It really doesn't like stop watching Antiques Roadshow. Yeah. Like literally, like there's like one and, you know, I do this every day all day. I, I just had this gentle argument with a client where he was like, this is a co- couch that cost me $10,000 and someone's going to want it. And I'm like, it's a specific color built exactly for a room in your house. Like, no one's going to want this. Like, mm-hmm. and if you're lucky, if you're going to, you're lucky. And he's like, you're telling me I have to pay someone to haul this away. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that's that. Yes. I'm telling you that exactly. Like furniture's worse than cars the minute it leaves the store. Yeah. So yeah, really having an understanding of what you're actually going to get. What is it worth your time? And is there, is there a way to get it to somebody else that can use it? Um, I had a client, it was one of my favorite stories. She, call, she had to move her mom 
very quickly into senior living and had to fly back to where she was from, I don't know, Cincinnati or someplace. And she lived out here and she had a job and she had uh, kids. And, she, you know, so she flew back super quickly, moved her mom in and how she grew up. And she was like, I have a house full of furniture. I don't want it. I have a house full of furniture at my own house. It's nice. It's not my style. I don't have time to sell it. I don't have time to do an estate sale. Like, I got to get rid of it. And she's like, I just kind of can't in my heart take this to the Goodwill or throw it all in a dumpster. Like, I I just, I'm really stuck about this. I got an SOS call. So we talked it through. And she was from this place, right? She grew up there and she had lots of cousins and relatives. And I was like, well, can you just like send out a family text? Mm -hmm. So she took a bunch of pictures, sent out a text to, I don't know, you know, third cousins and somebody's ex-husband, you know, all the things. And a cousin texted back and was like, oh my gosh, my daughter just got married and they're moving into their first little apartment and they have no money. And she was like, if they come with a U-Haul, they can have all of this. So, you know, sometimes understanding that it's it's not even about the money that you want from selling. It's that you want to know it's not going to go in the landfill and that someone's going to use it. Oh, that's such a good point. And just quickly, because I know I want to be mindful of our time together here. I just, this ties to your mention of buy nothing groups, as well as the continual exhaustion of parenting and decluttering. I recently decluttered one of those dreaded shelves. It was two shelves worth of craft supplies. And I was pulling out (laughs) all of these things. I mean, my younger daughter is 12. We don't do crepaws and crayons and things like that. I put out a massive pile of things, some not even opened. And so I took a picture of this huge pile of stuff. I artfully arranged it and made a nice flat lay just to to try to increase (laughs) its curb appeal. And I I put it up on (laughs) buy nothing. And I said, would love somebody to take this whole lot. This would be great for crafters. And um, I managed the first person who responded happened to be an educator. And so I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to actually get to use all of these glitter tubes and everything in your classroom. I'm thrilled. So it was so satisfying to meet somebody who really needed the stuff. And oh my gosh, those shelves now empty. Okay. Let's (laughs) just, and let's just say in a world like if you'd piece that together and, you know, like maybe you would have gotten $25, maybe. And it's like, okay, you know, 25 bucks, that's nothing to sneeze at. But to this fact that like, here's this educator who we all know has to buy their own supplies, yep. mm-hmm. which don't, that's a whole other, that's podcast, a whole other thing, but right. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it's like that feeling. So it, it's, this is so important for people to know that if letting go is hard for you, that's often a component of it. You don't want it in the landfill. You want it to be put to good use. So maybe you just do a little extra work, right? Like put it up on a buy nothing group and take a nice photo. Or do you have a local Habitat for Humanity restore? Can you take household goods there? Like just doing a little bit of that extra work and getting it to Mm. people who will use it. That's going to help. That's going to help a lot. Beautiful. Beautiful. Closing on the emotion. I love it. Okay, Tracy, at the end of each show, I share or I ask my guests to share, which is the case today, what is called your next edit. It's a super actionable tip that listeners can consider doing right away after they finish listening to our conversation. So in the context of today's show, I would love for you to share what your next edit is for our listeners. This is my favorite tip because this you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to like, you don't have to prep. 
And, and this one will make such a difference moving forward. So um, we can't talk about decluttering. We talked about this with Toysie. We can't talk about decluttering if we're not talking about what we're acquiring, right? Mm-hmm. If we're not talking about what we're bringing in our house. So the first thing that I want people to do to start to have less stuff in their life is stop saying, I need. I need mm. a new pair of jeans. I need a new pair of boots. I need a new spring sweater. I need a, I need a, I need a, I need a. Chances are, I will die on this hill. You have everything you need. You have mm. more than you need. So just start saying, I want. I want a new pair of jeans. I want a new crock pot. Because when you switch the languaging from I need to I want, all of a sudden you're like, Actually, I didn't want that new pair of jeans. I just had a bad day at the office mm. and I was feeling mm-hmm. like some, you like, it's such an easy verbiage switch. There's no sort of judgment around it. And all of a sudden you start just going, right. I just, I, I that was a want. Oh, actually, I really, I had a fight with my partner and what I really want is for us to be closer. So let's take a walk today. When you start identifying what that really is, you can manage it and you can find other things instead of consuming. Wow. Okay. Mind blown. Perfect closing. (laughs) Tracy, this was truly such a joy to talk with you today. And I learned so much from you. So what a gift. I really appreciate you being here today. Oh, thank you. I was very excited for this and it went just great. And I love connecting with your community. And this was just very, very special. Wonderful. Friends, you'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.